from 10 till 1. Mid Mornings with Linda Ness. My guest this morning is, of course, a nutritionist. She comes in once a month to, you know, keep us right in all things nutritional. And this morning, I think you're going to be telling us, uh, because we, we decided the new year, the new you thing, because, you know, everyone does this this time of year. You've got a different slant to it this morning, though, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, well, slightly, because I think there's been so much in the papers lately about the 5-2 diet, mm. sugar fasting, detox, the cleansing diet, that people have probably had enough of that, which, you know, it has its place, certainly, and I think it does springboard some people into a, a better way of thinking about their diet and eating habits, etc. But I just wanted to say, I wanted to start off with just putting this in people's minds, that, you know, your health is your wealth. So it's really important to invest in it. And I wanted to look at ways that we can, instead of sort of healthy eating for a couple of weeks and doing these detoxes and cleanses, which have their place, but instead of doing that, thinking about, you know, um, how we can be healthy into the year of 2014, not just for January and, and trying to sort of, you know, trying to get over the overconsumption that yeah. we've, we've, you know, you, you made an interesting, an interesting comment earlier, actually, when you said that when, when people become ill, they'll just, when you, the health is a wealth they'll thing. They'll do anything, anything. to mm-hmm. get better That's yeah right. absolutely That's absolutely true. and and you know they could they could have possibly avoided that if they'd looked after themselves with their diet and their lifestyle etc so point. yeah so i really want to think about you know what we can do a healthy habit so we're going to carry on throughout the year and i i'd say to people don't be too ambitious i see people that you know have been having unhealthy diets shall we say and haven't been moving very much and they suddenly want to eat a very clean diet and they want to be a clean mean machine that's out cycling and eating vegetables and protein all day long and they do it for a week and then they're back to their old ways because it's just too much too soon. Do you think that might be bad for you as well, actually? Because it's a big, big change to your constitution, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, possibly. I mean, bad for you. I mean, you know, I can't really see that eating vegetables is going to be bad for you. But mm. the too much, I'm just wondering yeah, about a big you know, change, radical change, lots of moving, lots of, you know, different diet. Well, it kind of it stresses you out as well. Mm. You know, mm. people get so obsessed with it and they're actually stressing and then they're probably, you're not doing themselves much good anyway. So I think one of the easiest things people can do to feel better and to make their diet healthier is just to increase the, increase the number of vegetables. Now, I know it's Blue Monday, and most of you are probably sitting out there thinking, oh, God, don't tell us to eat more vegetables again. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you about some, you know, some easy ways of getting them into your diet because I think if you want to be healthy and you really do care about your, you know, your, your general well-being, then you have to make friends with vegetables. You have to find some that you like, and you have to get to know them. Once you're there, you just get used to these really lovely, healthy-tasting foods, but it's just, you know, like I said, small changes to get them into your diet. And I just wanted to say that, um, you know, studies still show us that we are not getting our five a day as Brits. You know, we're not getting anywhere near it. And there was one study run by um, the British Association of Nutritional Therapists that commissioned a study to look at um, how many people were managing to get five, five a day. And they did find that the east of England was the healthiest in the country. And 13% of people were getting their five a day in comparison to 10% nationally. But just um, 13%? But it's still incredibly Gosh. low, isn't it? So there's a lot of work to be done there. And, you know, we know that vegetables, you know, or eating, you know, eating more vegetables and fruit, you know, reduces the risk of heart disease and cancer. Research has shown there's a correlation between mortality rates and lower consumption of vegetables. So basically, people that eat less vegetables are you know, more likely to die yeah. younger. So it's, it's such an important thing to, to get these veggies into your diet. And I would also say that vegetables are more nutrient-dense than fruit. So while fruit does have some really good nutrients, it also has quite a high sugar content. So try and get a ratio of five to two, so five portions of vegetables to two portions of fruit daily, and a, a portion's about 80 grams. So how are we going to sort of aim for this five a day? So number one, I would say that when you start making a meal, especially your evening meal, start thinking about what vegetables you're going to have for that meal. So rather than thinking 
Uh, we were saying earlier, weren't we, that normally you think, oh, I'll, you know, we'll have potatoes and some chicken, and then you'll think, oh, and we'll stick some carrots and peas with it. Mm-hmm. Do it the other way around. Start with the vegetables. What vegetables are you going to have? What have you got in your fridge, whether it be cauliflower, broccoli, cabbage carrots you know get them out start chopping them up and 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 they should be the sort of start build your meal up around those vegetables and you'll find very easily that you've suddenly got two or three portions just in 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 that one meal soups now they're a really good way of of getting vegetables into your diet Um, so they count as more than than one a day if you have soup because absolutely because yeah I, I, I love the soup and um, I, I included this in one of my newsletters last year and it went down really, really well and people are still saying that they're making it but it's fantastic in the winter. And all you need to do is just saute, you know, uh, some onion, some garlic, five, ten minutes, let's soften in a sort of casserole pot on the hob. Then add in your vegetables, you know, celery, carrot, sweet potato, maybe some greens. Let it all sort of sweat down. And then I like to add a, a teaspoon of pesto in there, maybe two. Hmm can of tomatoes or you know like tomato sauce that you get in a jar just put that in fill it up with water a bit of vegetable stock until it's sort of just above the vegetables stick a lid on and then put that in the oven or even a slow cooker wow. for one and a half to two hours and oh my goodness the smell is just so wholesome mm-hmm. um, by the time you get it out you're really salivating and ready to eat but it, <laughs> if it cooks really slowly like that it sort of preserves the nutrients in the, in the vegetables and it also just it, the flavors are really really intensified so that's a really good way of getting soup into your diet and also I've got that recipe on my Facebook page so if anybody wants to look at that if you go onto the Amanda Ryder Nutrition Facebook page you'll find it there Brilliant. so soups is a, is a great way There's the next thing I wanted to talk about was snacking on carrots and pepper you know chopping them into nice little batons and having them with hummus or guacamole instead of things like crisps and cereal bars mm. you know in the beginning it'll seem like a, a bit of a faff but you just kind of do get used to it so even if you try and do it twice a week just start doing it and see if you like it also you could add a portion of vegetables you know broccoli carrots cabbage kale whatever you've got alongside more traditional dishes that perhaps don't normally have vegetables with them so things like pasta risotto curry and just having that extra portion of vegetables just mm. steaming them up and, and serving them with, with those dishes potatoes they they don't actually count as your five a day they are ah i was gonna ask you they about are that, botanically actually. classified as a vegetable but they're yeah. very starchy yeah so yeah. you're better off with more colorful vegetables and um, chips presumably just don't count at all <laughs> yeah well i mean you know they potatoes do have good things in them but you don't want so much starch yeah, sure so i'm just sort of saying you know more colorful vegetables and a really good way of of um, getting lots of vegetables into your evening meal is just to do, you know, a tray bake of vegetables. So just roasting off sweet potatoes, garlic, red onions, maybe cauliflower, courgette, you know, a bit of olive oil, put them in the oven and suddenly you've got a lovely big, you know, lovely big tray of vegetables Mm. that are really tasty. 180 degrees, you know, 25, 30 minutes and they're done and you can add pasta or tuna or something like like that to them. So you've suddenly got a meal and got a nice base. We were just talking off-air about stir-frying greens, Mm -hmm. and this would make them so tasty. Again, sautéing onion, garlic, grating some fresh ginger, letting that cook for five minutes, and then adding some broccoli, some cabbage, a little bit of vegetable stock, a bit of tamari soy sauce. Oh, absolutely delicious. So, you know, really good ways of making these vegetables really, really tasty. Mm -hmm. And that has even passed my, you know, even my children, (laughs) who will not normally touch cabbage, will eat that dish. They really like it, so... They're quite a good benchmark. And then just keeping your, you know, keeping your 
fridge full of these nice healthy vegetables and if you're out at lunch and perhaps you're thinking well I can't actually I'm having a sandwich because it's you know um, quick and easy just have a salad with it you know buy an extra salad which you mm. can get in most of these cafes now and mm-hmm. places where you know you might go for lunch and then in terms of uh, fruits I would keep them to two to three a day two if you're trying to lose weight because they can be quite sugary but do like the Mediterraneans do you know have a piece of fruit after your meal instead yes. of having some sugar laden dessert yeah. and again in the beginning you think oh this isn't quite cutting it it's not as much sugar as I'm really expecting but again give it time just do it four nights out of seven to start with and see how you get on but um yeah or having a piece of fruit in between meals but you know having it with a few nuts something Mm -hmm. like that good um so that's all i'm going to say about vegetables but Mm -hmm. yeah like i said make friends with them because they really will make you feel so much better if you can get those five portions in the other thing I wanted to say was to eat breakfast. And we often talk about having a substantial breakfast because it helps balance your blood sugar. So don't be afraid to have that substantial breakfast because if you don't, you will probably find that you'll overeat later in the day. Yes. So some of my favourites are porridge. And again, not being shy with the amount of calories in that, in, in that breakfast, you know, but having porridge with some yoghurt, some nuts, some seeds, some berries. Roasting off pumpkin seeds is a fantastic way to add a bit of flavour. Again, on a baking tray put on your pumpkin seeds, put them in the oven, 140 degrees C for 20 minutes and then bring them out, cooling them down, put them in a jar and you can sprinkle them on your porridge or have them as snacks. Mm -hmm. Absolutely delicious. Um, Eggs on toast is another good thing or eggs on rye bread with some tomatoes and mushrooms if you've got a bit of time or even just some smoked salmon, half an avocado, a bit of rye and if you're in a real hurry, just yoghurt with a piece of fruit and some nuts and yeah. some pumpkin seeds or something like that can be really quick and, and really quite yeah. nutritious. I know I've recently been taking your advice on having scrambled eggs on toast uh-huh. for breakfast. And it does. It, I'm do not hungry find at lunchtime yeah, so much. Brilliant. Yeah, it, it takes yeah. you right the way through. Yeah, because yeah. I do see people that skip breakfast and then they eat so much in the evening. Mm-hmm. It's like their body just can't quite get to that point where it feels satiated, so they just keep eating. Mm-hmm. The other thing I wanted to touch on was caffeine. Again, I see a lot of this in my clinic where people are eating, uh, eating, people are drinking eight or nine cups of instant coffee a day. And, you know, coffee does have some benefits but I would say instead of doing that you know have one decent cup of coffee a nice espresso or latte whatever it is you like and really enjoying that cup of coffee instead of having you know numerous cups of tea and coffee throughout the day um so you know like one good coffee and maybe you know one one two cups of tea and if you can try and swap some of your tea for green tea now a lot of people struggle with that yeah, you saw my face earlier i did yeah. and i think it's a case of and i and i can actually say diets take a while to evolve i mean my own diet has taken a long time to evolve and people that i work with i see sometimes it takes six months for me to get them where i want them to be but um Green tea, there's lots of different brands out there. Find one that you like. Add lemon, mint, fresh ginger. It's, it contains an antioxidant, well, lots of polyphenols, lots of antioxidants, which are very healthy for your immune system, for anti-aging, you know. So there are just so many studies out there to mm-hmm. say, you know, how brilliant green tea is for it health. It does so taste like medicine, can, though, doesn't it? Well, I say, you know, just... just Experiment, experiment. Yeah, I yeah. think if you can get some lemon in there, some mint, some fresh ginger, yeah, just try chocolate. it. Just try it. Give it a go. Water is another area where people could improve. Mm-hmm. One thing I get a lot of my clients do, and they all come back and say they feel much better for it, is to have a glass of water as soon as you get up in the morning. So, you know, take a glass of water with you to bed and if you can put a bit of lemon in there even better but drink that on getting up and people find that just makes them feel you know quite fresh in the morning 
you know, can help with constipation in some people that just are that bit hydrated and get them and getting you on the whole water bandwagon for the day. And then I'd say if you can, you know, trying to have seven or eight small glasses of water throughout the day in between meals. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I do see in clinic that people tend to feel quite well when they up their intake of water, not just from tea and coffee. Yeah. And this is a big one, you know, get active, move. We've heard it all before, but you know, some people, will, as we were discussing, they'll look at people on, on racing bikes, for example, in their lycra and think, I could never be like that. Mm. Well, you can be. You just have to find something, some activity that you enjoy, whether it be cycling, running, yoga, dance. There is something out just there for you. Just move about more. And again, science tell, tells us that sitting around for long periods can increase your risk of heart disease, weight gain, diabetes. You know, why do that? And I think what people are missing out on is that natural high that you get from you know doing some exercise i mean i know when i've been out for a really good cycle ride you know you get out and the first 10 minutes is painful but then after that you get into your rhythm and you come back after a couple of hours of cycling and you're on a natural high for the rest of the day so i just think you've got to find the activity that works for you and you do find people even in their 40s and they've been quite sedentary for most of their life suddenly find something so i'd say put some energy and time into finding uh, an activity that you like and enjoy so that you're more likely to do it a couple of times a week mm-hmm. and prioritize that mm-hmm. And lastly, just very generally, cut back on carbohydrates. So, you know, bread, pasta, potatoes, biscuits, cakes. I find most people, that's where most of their food comes from. It's, yeah. it's carbohydrates. And if you're wanting to lose weight, it's going certainly going to drive weight gain. But, you know, load up your plate instead with healthy vegetables and keep your potatoes and your pasta to a minimum. You know, we know that too much carbohydrate encourages weight gain. So just focus on protein and vegetables. And if you can do that for a couple of weeks, you will find that you feel feel better better. for it. You'll feel more energised, you know, more alert. It's just sticking with it. Brilliant. Amanda, thank you very much indeed. You're most welcome. That's great. Some great tips there, as ever. And there's some really good tips on my Facebook page if anybody wants to look up okay, Amanda Ryder Nutrition. Yep. yep. Amanda Ryder Nutrition. Yeah, there's some recipes on there and inspirational tips. So if, mm-hmm. if you want to have a look at that. And the coconut water what I said. That, you, that you suggested before I've started drinking. And it's oh, lovely. have you? Yeah, yeah, I have actually. It's really good. I really like it. In yeah, fact. brilliant. Yeah. Excellent. Amanda, thank you very much indeed again. Um, and hopefully we'll see you next month with some Yeah, I've got plenty topics. of other things to talk about. But yeah, wonderful. No, that's definitely. what we like to hear. Excellent. From 10 till 1. Mid mornings with Phil Rowe. You were the Wednesday mid morning show from Cambridge 105. Now, we, the undersigned, urge South Cambridgeshire District Council Planning Department to refuse any application which will result in the closure of the pear tree as a pub in Hildersham. So said the village of Hildersham as they lodged that as a petition to South Cambridgeshire District Council. That application was, uh, or, or that petition was heard by the council recently. It's a bit of a rocky road of a story, but we'll start it in a nice way. On the phone with me right now should have uh, Mark Logan, who's uh, chairman of the campaign Save Our Pub. Wrote to the station, uh, put a lot of publicity out in December. Quite an impressive machine, actually. Lots of websites and Facebook uh, information, social media available to the mid village and those aroundabouts. Uh, good morning to you, Mark. Hi, Phil. How are you? Thanks for joining us in the show. I'm fine, thank you very much. So, 
It's a small village. I do know it very well. It's sort of, uh, just to describe it to the listeners, you've got the high street, which runs, I almost call it a vale, because it's got a glade of, this sounds very romantic, but it really is a beautiful place. Uh, not many of you there. I would call it almost a hamlet rather than a village. You, you might disagree with me. I know you have a church and you have a village hall. You're quite close to, if anybody's thinking of the geography at the moment, thinking, hmm, where are we talking about? Just off the A1307, the road to Haverhill from Cambridge. You go about, I suppose, eight miles, isn't it? And then you've got the Abingdons on the other side of the road, Little and Great Abington. But really, isn't it lovely that the village itself should have some community spirit? And to do that, you need places like a pub, don't you? Do you know anything of the history of the pub, Mark? Yeah, it's been uh, trading since about uh, 1850s, uh, one of the guys in the village is a quite a noted local historian, and he's collected a lot of photographs and, and records. So we've got some really nice pictures of um, people celebrating Queen Victoria's, I think it was a jubilee or something like that, um, uh, outside the pub, and it's been trading ever, ever since until, of course, 2013 when it closed its doors, um, which is disappointing. So more modern history, the recent history is about 2011, wasn't it? I think if I've got my year right, uh, the existing publican decided to um, sort of sell the, the pub off as, a, as an ongoing concern, as an ongoing visit uh, a business. So uh, someone bought it at that time, didn't they? And, and were for a while uh, still trading and it, everything looked happy. It was still a social centre for the village. You all went in there and had a nice pint and some good food. Uh, and so that stayed like that for a few months, I guess. Yeah, the uh, the new owners um, bought the pub as I say about eighteen months ago. Um, you know, the, the current the previous landlord still lives in the village. Um, and as I say, it was a going concern. They, they spent quite a bit of money doing the pub up, and it looked great. You know, they sort of built a nice decking area out the back and decorated everything and really spruced it up. And um, you know, started with some lovely foods and um, yeah, continued its sort of successful tradition of open and serving, you know, the local villages. And we're on a quite a busy walking route around the Roman Road and what have you. So we get a lot of uh, walkers and dog walkers from the neighbouring villages in. So, yeah, they, you know, they had the pub for about, um, to say, about 18 months and traded. And then uh, in August, it uh, it closed its doors, really. It's a very pretty yeah. spot to uh, stop to. Um, it's a smaller pub, white-faced. Looks almost like a cottage, doesn't it, uh, from the front? Um, but... Uh, and without being quaint, but being lovely. So, in August, was it was it just a dramatic end? Was it just one day the uh, the shutters went down, or the curtains were were drawn shut, or was there any? Yeah, notice? there was. Um, the, the the coolers broke. Fell. So, I mean, I'm not uh, sort of pub technician, but obviously the, you need um, coolers to sort of keep the beer at the right uh, temperature. They they broke, and um, we only sort of traded for a couple of days, and then basically decided to uh, close. And a little note went on the door saying shut due to broken coolers. These are down um, in the cellar, aren't they? They, they cool the beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. And then, they, you know, it sort of, it stayed like that for a, a month or so and um, the owner updated some of the regulars about, you know, we're, we're getting it fixed and um, that was the sort of situation pretty much up to December, really. They were, they were getting it fixed, hoped to uh, raise a bit of money um, to do some refurbishment work upstairs uh, but the pub would be opening soon, and um, it was so. Um, was yeah. it a free house, or was it a tide pub? Yeah, or? yeah. The, the previous, it used to be part of, uh, used to be a Green King pub, and uh, the former landlords uh, managed to buy the freeholds uh, for the pub. I mean, it's not a huge pub, so I understand it's 
it's sort of difficult for a lot of people running pubs to to sort of make a living. But um, you know, the former landlord bought the freehold and and ran it as a sort of successful uh, pub business with a, a little B and B business on the side. Um, mm. And I used to have some really nice beers in there, some uh, some local beers as well from uh, that I made, you know, in Cambridge, which was really nice. So it seemed viable. There seemed lots of footfall, people coming in and out of the pub, uh, buying dinners. And yeah. so, therefore, although pubs are struggling, of course, especially in rural locations, in a location like yours, as you said, you, you attract walkers. It's a beautiful spot. It's a lovely village. And people were coming there just because, well, it was a pleasant place to probably sit on the, the catwalk or the boardwalk at the back of the building out in the summer in the glade under the trees. See, I'm selling it for you now, aren't I? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, of course, you're reassured. for a pint if it was open. <laughs> if it was open, indeed. Uh, so right through until December, you were quite happy that you were being reassured that it was uh, to reopen. But then suddenly, one day, some dramatic news for the village. And what was that? Uh, yeah, one of the, um, uh, one of the uh, people in the village who happened to be looking on the South Cam's website about a planning application um, to do with some work that they haven't done. Um, and they noticed there was an application in for a, um, what they call lawful development. And um, it was to change the use of the pub uh, from, a, from a pub, basically, to a, a, they build it as a German furniture shop. Second-hand um, German uh, German furniture too, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Well, it sort of seems to. Well, it, it's been through a few sort of little iterations. It, um, it, the German furniture shop doesn't seem to have sort of started yet. It's currently just selling second-hand furniture. Although I have to say, in the, the last couple of weeks, it's closed for refurbishment, which is um, which is strange anyway. But it, it's currently closed again uh, as a shop. And uh, so. Pretty much, you you rallied the troops around the village, the the ladies, yeah. gentlemen of of the, of the parish, the squires, and uh, everybody using social yeah, media we, particularly as a as a very powerful tool. Yeah, it was um, you know it's amazing what you can do with the internet uh, these days. You know, with communications and um, what have you. We sort of set up a Facebook page. We we built a website called SaveThePearTree.co.uk. Um, we started an online petition. Um, we held a public meeting, and you know we had. Pretty well, everybody from the village there, which is, um, you know, sort of 70, 80 adults, uh, plus a number of the other regulars from outside the village were there. And um, That was in your village hall, which is probably the yeah, only yeah. real big meeting place that you now have left, isn't it? Yeah, that's it, yeah. yeah. And we, we were sort of quite surprised that you can just close a pub and turn it into a shop. We'd, um, you know, the government had been really pushing everybody about this localism stuff that you hear them talking about. And one of the things that you can do with this localism is you can list an asset of community value. Uh, and what that means is if you if a parish council or a local council um, list this uh, asset, um, the owner can't really sell it on without giving the, the, the local community the, first, the right to buy first. I mean, they don't have to sell it to the community, but at least you have to get the chance to buy it. Mm. Um, but in this case, the owner wasn't... Um, wasn't selling the pub. Uh, they were just simply converting it into a shop. In the way that planning laws work, uh, a pub and a shop are in the same sort of category. And you can sort of understand why they do it if you have a sort of hat shop in the middle of Cambridge and you want to suddenly turn it into a, uh, a sort of furniture shop or a news agent. Uh, you don't want to have to go through some complicated planning process. You can just change it. So as long as it stays within the category of a shop, uh, you don't have to tell anybody about it. Um, you just simply pop in a certificate for local development. And the council goes, pick in the box, that's it, done. Yes. Uh, and that's 
pretty much what happened here. Um, uh, in, in our case, they turned it into a German furniture shop, um, pulled out the bar, all the infrastructure, uh, populated it with some fairly familiar bits of furniture to begin with, um, which is what we recognise as the old furniture stuff, and um, opened for business. And at that point, there's absolutely nothing we can do. We we spoke with Roger Hickford, who was our local councillor, and he, he did a great job uh, supporting us. And there's a little sort of thing that the councils can do called Article 4, which is a bit sort of complicated, but you can sort of stop an automatic change of use by applying these Article 4s. And um, some other councils have done that, and, um, you know, because a lot of, Supermarkets, Tesco's and Morrison's and what have you are buying uh, pubs and quickly turn them into shops and they make some great sort of metro shops, which in some places that's fab, but in places like Hilversum it, it's not so good. Um, so under the rules not, and regulations then, that means that it's not a, a change of business use of commercial premises. Uh, yeah. For instance, as a radio station, if we if we moved into a shop, we'd probably have... If we decided we we're going to go into a shop and build our studios there, we would have to apply to the local authority, I believe, to make that yeah. uh, change of, of use, say, to yeah. somewhere that, that would be performing music, for instance, uh, from, from somewhere that would be just uh, retailing as a shop space. Uh, so, as you say, that, that's not quite true. Then if it's a pub, it can become a shop without the yeah. change, of, change of use regulation. Yeah, and, and absolutely no one gets a say on it. Not the parish council. There's no little notice boards going up on your lampposts and telegraph posts saying, by the way, that someone put a planning application in. Absolutely no consultation whatsoever. So, so the, way, the way the law, law stands then, at the moment then, it's the fact that uh, someone can just go ahead and do what they've done. So what they've done is completely legal, legitimate, absolutely. within the law and regulations as they stand at the moment. Yeah, there's absolutely nothing wrong at all. But uh, Ray Manning, who's uh, Councillor Ray Manning, he's the uh, uh, leader of uh, South Cambridge District Council, he, give, he gives you, uh, as villagers of, uh, um, the, and around the Pear Tree, um, the complete, his complete support, doesn't he? Yeah, well, it's like, you know, fighting with your hands tied behind your back. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I, I went to the planning department uh, meeting and uh, spoke with a, a colleague of mine um, uh, on the, to the planning department asking them to apply this Article 4, uh, which they could do, but it opens them up to a lot of legal issues, etc., etc. Um, and basically, I think pretty well all of the council members that spoke, uh, you could just tell that they were utterly frustrated that there's nothing they can do. I mean, they just sort of said, well, you know, it's terrible, you know, absolute sympathy with you. All the sort of great words that you'd want to hear, but you know, they were powerless to do anything about it. So we, you know, that was it. So Ray Manning um, and the council, uh, I think it's either today or tomorrow, they're having a, a session where they're putting uh, a motion to ask central government to, to sort of change this loophole. And I noticed only in the Cambridge paper the other day that uh, the city councillor have applied this Article 4 to, to pubs. So I think there's a sort of growing recognition that, um, you know, in the case of a, a community asset or the last pub in the village or something like that, there are circumstances where you, you want that community asset to stay open and perhaps give the residents a chance to buy the pub or what or whatever it would happen to be. Um, 
rather than the minute where you can just shut it and close it. You know? So the planning meeting on the 8th of January, unfortunately, Mark, uh, the village, if you like, lost its case yeah. uh, through his through your campaign and your petition. But the battle's not over next. Next month you'll be having another public meeting, presumably in the village hall, and yeah. to see uh, where you go with this next. And where, yeah, where, so what we, is your next plan? Well, we, I think we, we've uh, followed... Um, Camera advice and uh, who've been very supportive of us. Um, the, the local camera uh, leader, Alistair Cook, not the cricketer fame. Of the campaign uh, of Real Real Air. Campaign for Real, for Real, Air, Real yeah. Real, yes. Uh, they've been very supportive, and we was a what they suggested was do a do a questionnaire around the local community and what they, what they would like to see done. Uh, we've got the meeting on, um, as you say, in a, about a week or so's time. And uh, really, it's kind of uh, up to the village. I mean, the, the pub isn't for sale. The current owner is obviously making a go of the of the German furniture shop. Um, you know, there's sort of options about the village hall and converting the village hall to a pub or raising money to, to buy the pub if the owner currently wants to sell it. So I think we've got a range of uh, ideas. Um, we're going to have a public meeting and we'll, we'll see what the community wants to do about it. Um, I think there's a there's a desire to to have um, a pub in the village or at least a, a social facility in the village, um, and um, we'll see where the meeting goes to in about a week or so's time. Well, Mark, we wish you and everyone in the village of Hildersham, instead of having to go over to Linton, who's which is another uh, well bigger village in one direction to the north, and having a drink there, or having to end up in the Abingtons at Greater Little Abington for a drink. Wouldn't it be nice if you can go back into the pear tree? I don't know if it'll happen. But uh, we'll follow your um, your fight, shall we say, your legal course as it probably goes to national government um, because of the lobbying that shall now come from South Cambridgeshire District Council. Thank you for joining us uh, very much this morning on the phone. That was Mark Logan there, uh, who's the chairman of the Save Our Pub, talking about the Hildersham pub called the Pear Tree. From 10 to 1. Mid-mornings with Linda Ness. guest in this morning. Now, we've all heard about Age UK and Age UK Cambridgeshire, possibly because of their fundraising charity shops, which many of us have browsed in or contributed to. Age UK Cambridgeshire offers support and information about growing older. A glance at their website, that's ageuk.org.uk, provides a host of really useful information from finding out about financial entitlements to tips on how to stay warm, useful information explaining what a power of attorney is, for example. Really, really good stuff, actually. I was really impressed by it. Age UK is also running a visiting service, and today my guest, Dee Potter, has come to tell us about the service, both from the client's point of view and also what it's like to volunteer as a befriender. Welcome to Cambridge 105D. Hello, Linda. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity to come and talk to you today. Oh, no, you're very welcome. I think this sounds really, really interesting, actually. Now, AGK, um, you've set up a visit, this visiting service. Is it, is it because of the problem of, of loneliness? Is, is loneliness in, in later life, is it getting worse, do you think? Well, the service we run, Linda, the visiting scheme, it's been running for many years now. Um, it's estimated that over a million people are lonely, mm-hmm. and it's predicted that this figure could double as the population ages. According to Age UK Cambridge's statistics, half of the people over 75 
and over a third age over 65 say that they're always or often feel lonely yeah how sad is that it it's really awful, is, isn't it? it it is i mean particularly when we become older there comes a time when we all need additional support and help this time is very individual to the person and obviously the situation that they're in mm -hmm. and the visiting scheme it really works hard to combat this this loneliness yeah Oh no, it is it is awful actually. So what what's a typical visit? Describe a typical visit as a volunteer, you know, from the as point of volunteer. view. Yeah. Well the volunteers aim really when they come on board with the visiting scheme, they offer their time, friendship and help. It could be in the form of um obviously they go to the the person's home, sit and have a chat with them. They could reminisce looking at old photographs, look through posts if the person may have like a a sight impairment or mm -hmm, anything, mm -hmm. a board game or cards. It really depends what the client is interested in and the volunteer as well. But mm -hmm. the weekly visit does definitely enhances the client's week and it gives them something to look forward to each week as yeah. well. Something yeah. different coming into their home. I mean, there I guess... isn't a family member who feels that they're obliged to go and visit each week. It's someone who wants to give their time up to, to help somebody else. Yeah. I guess they must kind of get quite friendly, actually, mustn't they, really? Yes, they do, yeah, definitely. It does tend to, as the visits go on and they get to know each other better, it does get into more of a friendship, but mm -hmm. we do have to um, say that the volunteer is always visiting under the umbrella of Age UK. And yeah. yeah, I know. I suppose it must be quite a hard, a hard line to draw if people do get very, very friendly. So would a volunteer be matched with a client who lives quite close to them? Is, it, is that how you do it? Well, we do try to match the client and the um, volunteer logistically, but the main thing we look at, Linda, is are they going to be compatible with, with each yeah. other? Are they yeah. going to have something in common? So we wouldn't just think this client lives around the corner from this volunteer, we'll match them. We would rather wait until someone comes on board who would they be more compatible with, yeah. have interest with. Cause hobbies we want, the, and, we want yeah. the match to work and we want it to have longevity. Uh -huh. and, do, and do the volunteers receive any training to, to prepare them for, for this? They do. Initially, they receive a structured induction and this would be um, given to them by the organiser of the area of the visiting scheme they live in. And it would be going through like our policies and guidelines, procedures, just things they need to be aware of while volunteering under the Age UK umbrella. Mm -hmm. And we also do uh, training throughout the year which is fantastic because it's an opportunity to get outside organisations coming in to do a talk, maybe on dementia or Alzheimer's. And it's a chance for the volunteers to meet others from different yeah. areas as well so they and can share interact experiences yeah exactly yes it works yeah. really well yeah because i was going to say is there any ongoing support available to the volunteers you know should they need it so if somebody has a problem you know is there is there someone that can phone and, and see i think there you know. always is yeah i mean we do take care to ensure all the volunteers are happy and confident in their role and when they have their um induction initially they've told about emergency procedures coming through to myself at the office or they can contact the area organiser direct mm -hmm. if they need any help and we also have um, volunteer liaison support for the different areas and they will call the volunteers throughout the year checking they're okay and everything mm -hmm. so they're, they're all, they can rest assured that they've always got support at the end of a telephone. Mm -hmm. Okay and um, 
I'm being naughty here. What happens? What happens if they just don't get on? You know, if it's a, a complete mismatch. Oh dear! I have to say, Linda, this really, really, very, very rarely happens um, because we do look into um, obviously matching them on interests and compatibility. So hopefully, it won't happen. Mm-hmm. If if for some reason it does, then we would definitely look at a rematch and speak to both the client and the volunteer about. Um, the differences or whatever they've had but like I say it very very rarely happens yeah that's good okay do volunteers do other activities as well do they take the person shopping take them out stuff like that yes if um that if that's the sort of thing the client would like to happen then yes they can do that mm-hmm. obviously we need to look at um a risk assessment just make sure their mo- mobility is okay getting in and out of the car that sort of thing but we do say to both the client and the volunteer not to do something each week that the client would get reliant on, so not to do the weekly shopping, not to do something like that, but the odd sort of pint of milk, getting a prescription, the odd trip out mm-hmm. um, to a library, anything like that, mm-hmm. just to enhance um, the person's life, really. But it really depends on the client and the volunteer and the circumstances. A lot of the um, clients on the scheme prefer just the visit in the home, really. Yeah. So is, is there a process in place if a befriender has cla- concerns about the client's well-being, if the house is really cold or they look like they're not eating properly? If they, they, you know, if they, Because potentially maybe medical services might not necessarily be involved with some of these people if they're not normally unwell. What, what happens yeah, if they exactly. spot something going on like that? Well, that's a, a good question. To be quite honest, some of the clients we have on board, the only person they see each week is this volunteer going in. Mm-hmm. So it's fantastic for Age UK Cambridgeshire because it's like an extra, it's a pair of eyes and ears going in each week mm-hmm. um, to support this person. And the volunteer is going to get to know the person a lot better than we would because they're visit, visiting each week. Mm-hmm. So they can pick up on, like, if they deteriorate in health or if you say, like, they may have a problem with their heating or eating or or anything like that so they would be make us aware at the office and um, we could then take it out of their hands because we wouldn't want them to get involved in anything that was way beyond the Mm -hmm. volunteering duties and then hopefully another age uk cambridge's service could support the area of concern for that for that client or, or presumably pass it on to the authorities exactly and, yes. as is required yeah, yeah that's, so that's, it's that's peace good. of mind through and through really yeah and what do the volunteers get out of the scheme you know apart from a, a, a feeling of satisfaction of having helped somebody is, yeah. is, they, they, I presume, presume it must be quite interesting for some of them you know getting to know these people it is it's, it's, it's lovely for them and like you say um, a lot of people come on board because they want to give something back they may want to give something back to an organisation that's helped with one of their family members or they might want to just make a, a, a desire to make a difference to someone else's life. They may have time, time on their hands and um, they may be recently retired mm-hmm. and want to... They may feel lonely themselves, so it's yeah. a win-win situation, really. Yeah. Yeah. And it's good for them to sort of meet new people... Mm. And a good feel-good factor, good karma as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and I'm assuming they're they're, vo- they're vetted in some way. They are definitely vetted. Yes, we have quite a strict um, application process, whereby we um, ask for two references from them, and also a disclosure and barring check. That's formally the Criminal Record Bureau check. Mm-hmm. So, in a way, it's it's a good thing for us because 
we are there, it's safeguarding us as an organisation, safeguarding that client and safeguarding the volunteer as well. Mm-hmm. And it's a good selling point, really, for the um, the family members to know that a volunteer's gone in yes. who has been gone through the vetting procedures. Yes. Yeah. And um, and how do people in need of visits become known to you? You know, if you're an elderly person who's desperately lonely, how, how do you find out about them? Well, they come from a lot of different areas, really, Linda, mainly from professional body, bodies who may be visiting this client and providing a different service for them. And they may pick up that they're, they're lonely and isolated. So it could be from like a community matron or a physiotherapist mm-hmm. or from their own GP and or they'll get in touch hospital. with you yeah. yeah or it could be a family member who's worried about them they may live away from their parents or a self-referral we do get self-referrals as well mm-hmm. that's really interesting and if someone is interested this is the big question of course in becoming a volunteer how do they go about it so someone's listening out there and they're thinking yeah you know I quite fancy doing that what should they do? Well, definitely get in touch with myself through the Age UK website or by phone or email. And I don't know if you can give that at the end of yes, the um, of show. That would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. But we do have a waiting list of clients around the whole of Cambridgeshire. In Cambridge City and South Cams, we've got about 50 on the waiting list, which we really want to get this waiting list down, and yes. hence my reason for being here today. Uh-huh. I mean, the volunteers we've got available... Well, we wouldn't be able to run the visiting scheme without them. They're all um, giving their time up freely. It's a free service to the clients, and I think that's why it's so popular. Mm -hmm. Yes, they're not feeling that someone's being paid to come in and speak to them, which would be a horrible feeling, actually. It it does, and I think another good thing about the visiting scheme, like you just picked up on, the client feels quite... It gives their self-confidence a boost because they think it's not a family member who feels obliged to come and see them each week. It's someone that wants to. It's someone who wants to, giving their time up, and they know that when they come in, they're just going to sit and chat to them. They're not there to do a job and in and out onto the next client. So... It works really well and it does enhance these clients' lives no end, really. So your website is ageuk.org.uk? Yes, it is, yes. And that's how they would make contact with you or there'll be phone numbers on that website? There's phone numbers on the website for myself and there's also um, application forms on there that you can download. Okay. Okay, but if you give me the, the, the phone number as well, I'll, re- I'll read that out shortly. Yeah. And uh, if anyone's interested. That would be fantastic. It is great to get a phone call, then at least um, I can talk to you about the opportunity and share any concerns or questions that you have about the opportunity. Hmm. Excellent. Well, Dee, thank you very much for coming in to Cambridge 105 today and talking to us and telling us about the befriending scheme. I think you're doing wonderful work there, Sterling, and I hope that you get you know, lots more volunteers approaching you so that you can expand that service. That would be terrific and I really appreciate the time you've given me today and to IGUK. Not at all, that's what and we're And thank here you for. to all the volunteers who are on board at the moment. Yes, indeed, you're doing a great job, people. Thank you. All about the city. Cambridge 105.